lot of sports people looked at me like artists. It's like the nexus of basketball. The NBA themselves actually didn't know who was in charge of what. No, actually, it's that's just that's my life. It wasn't an off-chain, it was like an offline generative art collection. Welcome to NFT Stees, a weekly podcast presented by Cointelegraph that delves into NFTs, culture, crypto, and all things Web3. I'm Alyssa Exposito, a freelance writer and educator in all things blockchain, Web3. And NFTs. And I'm Ray Salmon, head of markets at Cointelegraph and the other half of NFT Stees. Today we do have Victor Solomon. Victor Solomon is... Actually, I read this about you, Victor. I didn't know this, but you are a breed of Boston, and you currently reside in Los Angeles, correct? That's right, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Made the trek. Made that east to west coast trek, and he's established himself as a renowned artist thanks to his creative ability ever since his youth, and mainly returning for his passion of basketball is his main inspiration. So we're going to dive into that a little bit today, but... Victor Solomon's literally balling project is an ongoing exploration of the icons of basketball, and it's elevated in opulent form to celebrate the sport's evolution, omnipresence, and parallel luxury context from an antiquated mediums and processes. The project's cornerstone by signature stained glass backboard have shown in New York, Los Angeles, and Shanghai, and they've also been featured in GQ, Hypebeast, and Complex, and led to collaborations with Nike, Levi's and Keith. Victor is currently working with the NBA and WNBA on reimagining their league's trophies, which is super dope. And I'm not sure if anybody has seen some of his work, but I definitely, definitely recommend you checking out his Instagram, checking out Vesselverse, which we'll talk about in a bit. But Victor's monthly limited edition Vessel collectible releases have quickly become a must-have for hoop fans, and it tells an important story of the sports form as a vessel and symbolic entry point for community, status, and storytelling, which we love all about that today, and especially exploring in this time. So thank you so much, Victor, for coming on the show. First topic at hand, uh, Victor, and it's interesting because you are, I believe, the first artist that we have brought up on to the show, and... um, you know, a big curiosity of mine because my journey is a little bit similar going from Web 2 into this Web 3.0, Web 3 kind of ecosystem. And what's interesting, Victor, is that, and we talked about this when I first met you, but I first recognized you from Instagram. And I remember years ago seeing some of your work because I really dig your, your physical installations of these basketballs and the hoops and the overall aesthetics of, you know, mixing something that like we've mentioned, is so culturally relevant with very classical touches of the chandelier and the stained glass. And um, for me, I guess the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of your work, when you see it, you it's almost like this tangible and physical experience in nature. And now that we move into a more digital space with NFTs in the world of Web3, what have you found are both the more liberating elements of creation and iteration in this digital process? And what are also the more cumbersome challenges with translating your work or perhaps creating something anew? Wow, amazing question. Just to sort sort of back up, like we had been talking about before, my passion for basketball came sort of out of necessity, really. 
pieces and different sort of artistic and creative endeavors, the basketball through line was consistent there because it was always this important agnostic platform for people to come together. And I never really found a corollary for that until everything that's been happening with NFTs and the Web3 space started to take shape. And I think that's part of what activated and got me so excited is that, you know, we're getting to watch this platform be evolved in front of our eyes, which I've never in my lifetime been able to experience. Um, and that was super exciting. But thinking about going back to my traditional practice, making sculptures um, sort of inspired by basketball and celebrating those objects with techniques and materials that have historically been relegated to the elite, the reason that they're expensive is because they're difficult. So there's been a lot of like physicality in the sculptural works that I do in real life. And the thing that was so excited about organically what was happening with my practice was it was kind of moving in, in parallel with the everything that's happening in the space now. So I do these, I had been doing these monthly sculptural physical collectibles where I took this uh, crystal basketball that was hollowed out and put something different inside of it each month to try to tell the story about the versatility of the sports objects. and Which they're beautiful, by the way. Thank you very much. And we call the project the vessel because this, the ball is this vessel with which people can connect, people can build communities, people can tell a story, people can share their own uh, you know, aesthetic appetites and things like that. And I realized as, as I was getting deeper and deeper involved in uh, NFT space as a collector, I realized that I was actually making, it wasn't an off-chain, it was like an offline generative art collection. Mm. And kind of like organically had, had come to this through my sculpture practice. So I have a great friend that has been innovating this 3D scanning technology and what we started doing was deconstructing the physical collectibles that we've been making, 3D scanning each of those IRL elements and then putting them sort of in this mixer to randomize the assemblage of the orientation of the ball, the embedment inside of it, seam colors, and sort of different variable traits that we started releasing hourly um, oh. as, a, as a fourth of the mouse protocol with an auction format. So to go, this is a very long way to get back to the, answering your question, but it's been very exciting to sort of bridge the gap between the IRL sculpture work that I do 3D scanning it, putting it into into this form factor, um, and then it sort of unlocks some some abilities for <clears throat> releasing the handcuffs of what's possible in real life and what we can do in this digital space. So there's certain things for the vessels that we release the vessel verse um, that I just wouldn't be able to do in real life when it comes to suspending like a planet inside of a vessel or. Yeah. A bunch of diamonds or something like that. So it's really unlocked some creative capabilities that I'm super excited about. Yeah, and I'm glad that you kind of went into the process behind what it is to make these creations because a lot of times, you know, as, as someone who's a participant or someone who experiences the art, we never really get to know these kinds of stories. But specifically for you, it was actual, like, something that had parallel meaning to not only IRL but then to the digital and for me, it kind of, it, it's almost its own narrative of sorts. And I do like that you mentioned um, it's a fork off the nouns protocol because I did notice that from your, the Vesselverse website, it does seem like the nouns DAO. So are you, I'm assuming that you're a holder or you're a fan of the nouns. Uh, we love the novels. 
here for sure. And what are some of the biggest things that you want to bring into the Web3 space as an artist and a creator? Sure. Uh, well, to go back, like I had been, you know, working in this IRL sculptural space with a basketball lean, had been carving out uh, a community and practice in that realm and was, was feeling super excited about it. But I was in this, I, I was this interesting cross-section for people where all of my art friends looked at me like a businessman and then all of my sports people looked at me like uh, an artist. So in you know late 2020, when, when NFT started getting more mainstream adoption, I was having people from both sides ask me what was going on, how to get involved, and, and what they should be doing. And I would, was not feeling particularly activated by any of the projects that I was seeing. They seemed sort of technically interesting and um, sort of like investment, you know, gambling things, which uh-huh. you know, which which I would never look down my nose at because I love a good gamble as well. Uh, but aesthetically, nothing was really speaking to me. And like structurally, it wasn't really speaking to me until I found the, the nouns community. That really sort of now filled me in what the opportunity there was. For anyone that doesn't know, they auction one noun per day, um, and all of the proceeds go to a treasury that the community controls in a decentralized way. And that was a huge unlock for me in the same way that basketball was this opportunity for everyone to collaborate with a shared goal in mind. Uh-huh. This collection was providing an opportunity for everyone to invest, put their money in a pool, and decide what to do with it with a public good uh, tinge in mind. So. Nouns was really the biggest project that I engaged with, and I've gotten very involved over there. I'm part of an advisory board on the outside. Um, awesome. And there, obviously, everything is CCO, including the protocol itself. So we formed the form function of the auction process. We tapped in with a great team to develop Vesselverse that made some modifications for our purposes. Um, as how we did that, we changed the cadence to an hourly release. Um, and then some technical stuff, but the idea is the same in that um, what we're trying to do, similar to as you're putting a basketball team together, all of the holders are sort of teammates and everyone's collaborating and, and steering the project together in this in this cooperative way that I think is really at the heart of what everyone's trying to do here. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome how you've able, you've able to kind of, um, you know, just seamlessly put these worlds together and even in the technical aspect of both both basketball and in the digital web 3 nft space specifically the the tech side as you're exploring in 2020 making this leap what have you found have been like the most beneficial elements of exploring this medium or this new iteration of the internet and what are the biggest things that you're grappling with that you have found are teaching you about the community you're creating specifically around Vesselverse, for example. I feel very rejuvenated and sort of activated with all of the opportunities that this world that we're embarking on together is providing for us, both creatively in that sort of unlocking, you know, I deal with, I still make NBA trophies, I still do my sort of practical sculpture process. And sort of in that world, I'm wielding metal with my bare hands and glass. So I'm doing these very old-fashioned technical or sort of like structurally technical processes. Um, so it feels very invigorating to contrast that with the 
sophisticated uh, world that we're building with Bessemer. So that juxtaposition is really exciting and interesting. The other thing, too, from a community standpoint, you know, when I work on the works that I make for my art practice, I'm basically in a studio with a few assistants, and it's a very small, it's a very small set of people whose voices are participating in the creation of those works. And, you know, the echo chamber or these the voices contributing to it are very limited in a very centralized way. Um, yeah. And that's fine for that space and for this particular sort of work, but it's exciting to be able to work shoulder to shoulder alongside a growing community with the Vesselverse collectors to have an open forum to constantly be visiting and discussing and considering the direction of the project. Um, we recently, going back to now, Downs built this um, sort of protocol called Prop House to help disperse funds uh, in smaller smaller amounts to builders that want to contribute to the project. And we just did our first Prop House round to deploy some capital to Vesselverse uh, holders to encourage them and enable them to build alongside them. So it unlocks this collaborativeness um, and this community spirit that I have not been able to experience in my physical work. And that's really invigorating energizing. That's awesome, because it sounds like as an artist, you aren't so, um, I guess, leaning away from co-creation and collaboration, which sometimes, you know, it can get proprietary, but I feel like with you, there is, there's this um, resurgence of energy that comes from, as you said, like listening to voices not so centralized. Totally. Awesome. Well, the other thing too, going back to like, to the, to the physical works that we're making here, you know, we make them quietly in the studio with a couple of people and they kind of go out into the world and we don't really get to have another experience with them unless there's an installation or an activation or something physical like that. Um, and here, there's a constant interfacing with the community and that is really exciting and, uh, and energizing in that there's something that we're doing together, which is more truly in the spirit of the inspiration from sport and its natural collaborative nature. All right, Victor, so how has dabbling in an NFTs been a game changer for you and how do you envision it impacting your career going forward? Um, I'm also a little bit curious on how receptive are clients to the concept of digital art? Is that sure. does everybody just want you know physical installations and physical pieces, or do people inquire about hey can you make an NFT for me or can I get a digital version of this also what's the view on that among your clients? Sure, let's go. I mean let's go back in front because I think that's a big important question that I think as a community we need to be considering how to solve. You know I deal with a lot of teams, I deal with a lot of brand partners. We built we built the Vesselverse project for brand partnership in that uh, you know we're anticipating in the future doing forks of the protocol so that there could be you know brand partner vesselverse.io and they could release their own iteration of the project but I think the nature of the market at the moment between sort of the consolidation and some of the fun that's been floating around has left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and there's a lot of basketball team partners that we've been talking to about digital collecting
is re-educating these partners to unlearn the bad experiences that they've had with, um, you know, this NFT thing getting wrapped into a bigger deal or, you know, one of the things we're seeing in particular is like, obviously, you know, the FTX thing is getting messy and messier by the day. They sort of shoehorned NFT marketplaces into a lot of the brand partnership deals they have with basketball teams. So you have someone like Steph Curry, you know, arguably one of the most famous basketball players ever. You know, you click the link for his NFT project and the site doesn't even exist anymore. And it didn't appropriately exist on chain in a way that uh, will last the test of time. So I think there we're kind of forced to pick up some of the pieces for some of the bad experiences that these big brand partners have and these legacy partners that are curious still um, and have appetite to get into it. It's just going to require some some kid gloves when we're dealing with that thing. You know, it's like um, it's like when you start dating someone and you just came off a bad breakup, you got you, you know, walking on eggshells a little bit just to make sure everyone gets comfortable before you get serious. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So regarding your NBA trophy redesign can you kind of explain why did it need updating? What sort of changes did you make? Did you have free reign um, or were there like heavy restrictions on that redesign? I've been doing this basketball project since 2015. Um, in 2018, the NBA reached out. They had just been seeing the work around and were curious if there were ways to collaborate. They were a fan of everything I was doing. And, you know, the nature of everything I'd been making was sort of celebrating basketball with these materials and luxurious techniques and things like that. So it lent itself sort of pretty organically to the idea around trophies. So when the league and I started talking in 2018, I was pitching up the idea right away. It was very fragmented at that time. And the the NBA themselves actually didn't know who was in charge of what. So it took a little bit of learning when we used the 75th anniversary of the league, which was last season, as the sort of time peg, as the excuse to revisit designing the trophies. And philosophically, my biggest um, sort of complaint to them as we started the conversations was there was no consistency from piece to piece. Um, and over the years, you know, they had added awards, they had taken awards away. There were a handful of different partners that were fabricating these things. Some of them, um, you know, some of them just off the shelf, some of them very bespoke. So it was a little bit scattered, um, and I got connected with a guy at NBA called Chris Arena, who's head of all program partnerships, who was an incredible partner that he and I really dug in and really got passionate about trying to contribute to the narrative and the innovation around these objects. And he and I are both big hoop fans before anything, and just felt like the objects that represent the journey these athletes have dedicated their lives to deserve to be more thoughtful um, and deserve to be as innovative as the players that have been in the gym since they're 10 years old trying trying to work towards them. So to answer your question, we had a pretty shockingly open brief when it came to um, the NBA's appetite to innovate the awards. And obviously we went through certain reviews and shared concepts with them, but they were shocked open-minded when it came to it and we still have a few yet to unveil um, which are going to happen here in the next couple of weeks that are very innovative and I'm really proud to call the NBA partners and very thankful for the job and very excited to show off everything that we made. Thanks for sharing that and we want to pivot 
now toward your views on community creation and Web3 and within Metaverse. Cool. Yeah. Um, just a recent conversation as well, so we don't hijacking too much into basketball talk. Um, you know, jumping off from the sort of community platform that exists in the basketball space in that everyone on the court has a shared vision and a shared goal in mind, which is to say get the ball in the in your hole more than theirs. There's a very interesting and, and beautiful parallel in the spirit of community that a lot of the NFT projects are prioritizing. And I think that's a really exciting thing to see for the real ones that are building here and, and existing in this space. So it's very inspiring to see the priority. And as as you know a founder of Vesselverse, but as a collector in other projects, it's very exciting and inspiring when a project has the courage and the confidence to allow its holders to contribute to the vision. Um, it makes me feel like I'm a part of something. It makes me feel like I'm awesome uh, those projects that are out there that share treasury funds with stakeholders and allow people to submit proposals and develop their own ideas which are divergent from perhaps the actual project itself or a derivative of it um, I think that's a good way to kind of create that those true fans and true stakeholders and and make good on that promise of community owned and open source and um, not being, you know, no licensing, that sort of thing. So um, I feel you on that perspective. So uh, in regards to community, talk to me about community building and how you're bringing fans along with you. I used to play basketball quite a bit and your average young basketball player might not have the resources or be too savvy about art or high fashion uh, but do you feel an urge to connect with them and fellowship in the culture? Now, of course, people can buy the NFT collection if they're true fans of yours. But, you know, NBA culture is organic. It's universal. There are certain themes, events, and subculture elements that make everyone feel welcome. Um, or like part of the UMA. Just like hip-hop has that inclusive feel regardless of whether you've bought the album or the artist's gear. You know, a fan is a fan. So just talk to me about your love of basketball and being a part of that community and your ideas on bringing all fans along with you. It's an amazing question. It's sort of the question when you consider how to navigate these projects as a founder or collector. It's, you know, who's coming alongside, who's jumping in and participating here. I think setting the table um, in a way that activates and encourages community as much as possible is a is a sort of cultural cultural cornerstone that I think is really valuable for any project. Um, you know, going back to what we were just talking about about activating the community and inviting them to 
ideas and funding them to help build those ideas alongside of Vesselverse has been a really important learning that I took from the Nouns project and something that's really exciting to see because the conversation less becomes about people sort of tapping their foot, hoping the floor price goes up or begging the dev to do something. And it, it activates the collector and the community to say, okay, how can I contribute to this? Or what can I do uh, with the support of the project to help spread the word and proliferate the meme as, as the Nouns community likes to say? Um, so I think that unlocks a really exciting part of part of that thing and then you know there's all these you know we're like i said before and like everyone's aware we're watching a vertical uh be developed in front of our eyes and i think being able to be a part of that evolution is really exciting and interesting <clears throat> you know the wild westness of everything that's happening is very exciting so understanding that sort of you know um the ways that community is distributed is being invented along the way and you can see all of the paths that are revealing themselves there uh, but i think it's really part of what makes this moment so special is that you can't fake it um you really have to be in the streets and in the trenches mm -hmm. uh, you know with this community and building the community day by day um you can't turn a key and you know people can just see it a mile away so it's an interesting um the organicness of the community building is, is very daunting because it requires a lot of dedication, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of prevents the space from getting um, oversaturated with sort of phony uh, participants. You know, it's interesting too, the difference between Web 2 and Web 3, almost marketing, and how I think you could utilize sometimes your creations and, um, you know, these tokens to do a certain level of of marketing as well and you know it's always interesting when you hear the stories of those who go from the more institutionalized or traditional spaces into this more decentralized autonomous uh, space with a little bit more agency and you know I, I think about that you know as you as an artist how has perhaps your experience right now like you did mention going into the trenches um, you know, you did mention having a little bit more, you have to have a lot more, I guess, presence and a lot more um, forward-facing in, in in this digital space, interestingly enough. But how have you seen that it's, like, influenced or impacted your, your artistry? Like, not just, I guess, the way you present yourself, but the way that you are actually um, getting engaged and doing the work and building forward. Because it does seem that you have this, like almost pillars of you know your IRL physical works, and then now we have Vesselverse. But has this like overall impacted the way that you as a creator just think about doing creations and think about present doing your work? Yeah, totally. And I think that's part of what's been so exciting about the space to me on a few different levels. I think on the one hand, it's being able to be a part of a space that's being invented on the fly is really exciting and, and like I've said a couple times I've just never seen that in my lifetime so it's exciting to see that and be able to uh, participate in that and be able to hopefully contribute to the greater narrative that's being built around the space is, is really inspiring and exciting um, I think seeing the sort of like the unlock of what we can do with some of the technology that we've built and some of the technology that the community has built has been really inspiring and 
contributing to the evolution of my physical work in sort of unlocking the value of having community voice earlier and more often. Um, like I said, when I work on my sculptural work, it's usually just me alone in a room. Um, but now we're sort of building in public and in the open and alongside a lot of people that have a vested interest in the success of this project. So you'll get a lot of perspectives and a lot of a lot of thoughtfulness from people's um, a lot of ideas that you may not have even considered in the first place because you know if you share one particular point of view, and I think the value of the community is getting those unique outside voices to help um, to help push the the entire thing forward. I think that's really activating and exciting. And, can already see that taking effect in my uh, physical work as well. Yeah, and it's interesting too that as a as an artist, you know, you you obviously have your own aesthetic, you have your own eye, you have your own style, and now you it's almost a place of vulnerability to open that up to everyone else to have some sort of say in it too. But it's actually like a really beautiful thing because they're also the people that are building alongside you as well. So. What are some things that people and that you may not have discussed right now or that you know people do not know about you or your work as it pertains to how you symbiotically merge these two worlds? My background came from a, a love and appreciation of the platform of basketball and all that gave to me personally in my life. And as I took that through line and explored it through different creative mediums throughout the years that represented and manifested itself in physical sculptures and eventually trophies and brand partnerships. Uh, you know, I have a great partnership with Tennessee, uh, which is the deal with Reebok. We're doing all these sorts of uh, brand alignments in the physical space to bring the aesthetic and the world of basketball that I've developed to those doors and took the, everything that we learned and brought it into the NFT space and the digital collectible space with Vesselverse by sort of taking the practice that we developed, 3D scanning those elements and sort of trying to build the, bring the physicality of the sculptures um, into this unique hybrid of the space. Uh, and it's been really fun and inspiring okay. to, uh, to share with you guys. Yeah, it's, um, we speak about Vesselverse and I was looking through the website and it, it says it's the basketball of the metaverse, right? And another interesting element, this could be a point of contention with some artists because when NFTs came out, traditional artists and art, the art space were, you know, basically pointing out that it's not art. And sometimes, unfortunately, artists get told that they sell out, quote unquote, when, you know, when it means like they could actually make a living you know, doing what they love kind of yeah. deal. It's like, oh my God, you're now in a gallery, you sell out. And it's like, no, actually, it's, that's just, that's my life, you know? Um, so I guess for, for you as someone who is, and we keep, we keep making this, this reference, but you are someone that's known in the art IRL spaces. And now you have kind of been a little bit more immersed into and making your way as the, the basketball of the metaverse. But how have you or your experience of panning this out to fans that may be unfamiliar with this concept, like how has that been for you? Have there been moments of contention or how have you, I guess, minimized that in a way where it's easier for people to lean in instead of like turn away? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, I think there's, there's something there about the sort of definition of the term art. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that, you know, 
you're down there in Miami at our balls right now, you're really seeing the juxtaposition of, you know, yeah. you have the traditional fair with the blue chip gallerists and the, you know, multi-million dollar physical paintings. And then you're seeing, you know, the parties for the multi-million dollar NFT projects. And I think that, you know, that art has sort of become arbitrary uh, as far as like the term itself goes. It's so, like the meaning of it has become so vast that it's almost meaningless in a way okay. that actually people should view as an unlock that's valuable rather than sort of something to take, take in a defensive stance over. Or put in a box, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you know, you'll see, you'll see, you know, blue chip gallery people get mad about an ape drawing uh, being considered with the same terminology that, uh, you know, a Picasso is or whatever, but it's it doesn't that getting hung up on that I think is missing out on the bigger picture is I guess what I'm trying to say. But I mean, thankfully we've been very lucky and very and sort of have not needed to deal with that. But I, I think to answer your question, I just don't get involved in those sorts of conversations. They're not really productive for what the, okay. what the bigger picture is here. Um, I think it's there is a subjectivity in art that's always existed. So forgive me if this is a question to which there's a very easy answer and I'm the ignorant one here, but are any of your works in public places and are any of them functional, like in public places? My practice is all about celebrating the icons of basketball in these very sort of luxurious and opulent ways. I have been focusing a lot of energy into giving back to the platform that gave so much to me and doing these playable installations basketball court restorations. Um, I did a basketball court restoration here in LA um, in 2020, sort of at the tail end of, of the real intent. 
intense part of COVID. Um, and what we did is we employed this technique called kintsugi, which is this ancient Japanese technique about ceramic rejoinery that is meant to celebrate the imperfections of the repair as formative parts of the object's journey rather than trying to hide them. And there was this really beaten up court here in LA. We filled in all the cracks with this gold dusted epoxy in a way that was totally playable. And it was a very delicate time in the world where um, there was a lot of racially motivated um, sort of uprisings happening. COVID stuff was still sort of delicate. There was just a lot of tension. And looking at the court as this way, again, going back to my background as the court being this platform for communities to build, to sort of show the opportunity that healing of healing uh, that basketball can provide or that, you know, a, a sort of platform like that that's open to everyone can provide. So that's sort of one example of like playable existing in the real world sorts of things. Primarily works are in galleries and with uh, brand partners at activations and art fairs and things like that. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of that court right now and it's beautiful. What did you do to the hoops? Thank you. Um, we actually re replaced the backboards with this crystal clear polycarbonate just to give it a little bit more of an ethereal look than those like rusted metal ones that had existed there previously. And then we took the hoops down, we cleaned them off and gold powder coated them. Yeah, it's beautiful. I like it. I like the concept of, you know, putting a valuable bonding metal or you know, making the welds and those cracks a lot stronger to hold the whole court together and your connection to, like, you know, the racial, the things that pull Americans apart from each other and then your concept of how basketball brings people together and has this element of, like, culture, community, sportsmanship, um, and it makes people stronger. So looking at the court, you know, I connect with that uh, as an athlete. So do you have any plans to redo Rucker Park? <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, we actually just we just um, are going through the final touches and formalizing a 501c3 that's going to be focused exclusively on basketball court restoration. Uh, we have a couple planned for the early part of 23, uh, so hopefully I can get Rucker on that list. All right. Yeah, I, I look forward to seeing that place revamped. Holy yeah. court. For those that don't know, it's a you know, like legendary playground or public basketball court in Harlem, New York. So many NBA players go and play there. So many guys that didn't make it to the league who are super talented play there and still play there. So there's a lot of like, it's like the nexus of, of basketball. One other question from me. So what are your future plans for Vesselverse? And if there were no limitations for what you could achieve, what would Vesselverse and its community look like? Amazing question. So Vesselverse, um, to go back to a little bit of the... the the philosophy about how we're approaching that project. I had been doing this physical collectible collection of these hollow crystal basketballs that I would invent something unique in every month. It was sort of my off, offline generative art collection. So we're taking that philosophy um, into a nounce fork with an hourly auction. We 3D scanned a lot of physical elements um, and we put them into this mixer to randomize them for a mint every hour that goes off at auction. We decided from tip-off, which was just at the beginning of November, to um, set the supply cap. So there's going to be 9,125 pieces, which represents one per hour per year. And what we're going to do is every certain, 
or milestone, usually it's anchored to tethered to something in the NBA season. We're going to release a new set of traits and introduce a new traits in what we're calling season. So we're sort of midway through the first season now. The second season will start on Christmas Day. Um, and we just introduced something new since you know the project is going to go on for a year, minting um, hourly. If these milestones will introduce some new aesthetics and new uh, new traits and things like that, so there'll be sort of visceral, visual updates throughout the way. So that's the journey for Vesselverse. We'll, we'll continue to use Prop House and these other opportunities to activate our community and fund them to help build and expand the project alongside us, which I'm super excited about. We just finished our first Prop House round where we funded five builders to embark on some ideas to help proliferate the project further and we'll be continuing to do that going forward so very trying to support our community as much as possible in that way um, and then like i said we built a platform with brand partnerships in mind so we're already talking to some great partners that we're going to launch early 23 um, and hope to expand that to teams and and uh, some of the other partners that we don't want to talk about too much right now but there's a lot of a lot of great integration that we're that we're talking about that uh, I think is going to be great. Awesome. It seems like there's a little bit of alpha that we didn't want to spill, but uh, that's exciting. Thank you guys again for letting me come up here. It's super exciting and a, a lot of incredible questions that I haven't heard yet. Um, so it's really great awesome. to talk more about Vesselverse and, and encourage everyone here to jump over to Vesselverse.io. We're auctioning the pieces off hourly and you can click over to the Discord. There's a great community that we're building there and look forward to seeing you guys over there and helping build this project together. Amazing. Guys, all right, that wraps it up. It is NFT Steez. Like crypto, NFTs are always in a state of construction, deconstruction, and reinvention, and I think that's what we're seeing happening at the NFT market right now. We want to thank everyone, especially Victor, for coming on and sharing your time and thoughts with us. To all the listeners, thanks for staying to the end, and just so you all know, this is NFT Steez. I'm Alyssa. My co-host is Ray, and we are the creative minds behind this. Ciao for now. Thanks, guys. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Thanks.